bow together in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the power of the gospel. We thank you for the privilege we have to know you by faith in Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray that you would do the ministering today. We ask for your presence and power to personally make the application of truth today in each of our lives. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Deuteronomy chapter 6, I'll begin reading in verse 1. Now this is the commandment, and these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you, that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess, that you may fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command you, you and your son and your grandson, all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. Therefore hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you, a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the post of your house and on your gates. So here Moses is the instrument that God is giving instruction to the children of Israel so that they would know the fullness of what God has for them. And he sums up here in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4 a, a summation of the Ten Commandments, if you would, when he says, Israel be reminded, the Lord your God is one God, one Lord, and you shall love him with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Now, he gives that to us in Deuteronomy chapter 6. We won't take the time, but in Matthew chapter 22, they came to Jesus and, and they asked him, what is the great commandment or how do I get to heaven? And Jesus said to them in Matthew 22, the first and great commandment is, and he quoted Deuteronomy 6.4, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And then Jesus went on and said, the second is like unto it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, all of these commands are summed up in those two things. It's amazing that we often deal with the commands themselves but overlook the important aspect of fulfilling these commands, which begin with the first three commands that deal entirely with God. The first three commands deal with the aspect, 
that we should have no other God before us, that he alone is God, that we should not make any graven image, and that we should not misuse his name, apply his name to something he doesn't agree with. It's not just meaning not use profanity, but it's to attach God's name or approval to something he doesn't approve of. And it all deals with our worship of God. We've been going through on Wednesday nights, and and we are following along with that on Sunday mornings along the lines of how people change. And this last Wednesday night, it dealt with the aspect that all change must come from our heart. It's not just changing outwardly because what's in us will eventually come out. And they use the illustration, if you have a glass of water and you shake it violently, water comes out. Why does water come out? Because water is in it. If it was full of Coca-Cola and you could shake it as violently as you want, but water would not come out of it. When we are shaken in life, what comes out of us is what is inside us. And we oftentimes fail to deal with first things first. The first command deals with our relationship with God. The first three commands, the first segment of the Ten Commands deal with that. When God gives the first and greatest command, He said, it deals with loving the Lord your God with all your heart. If if you don't have the first things right, the rest of the things won't fit. The rest of the things won't matter. For example, I I brought my trusty leaf blower here today. Now, this is a four-stroke leaf blower. That means you just put straight gas in it, okay? But if you look at that, well, it's been used, so it's a little dirty. You could say, man, that looks like water in there, so I guess I put water in it to run. You open a manual on on a, a leaf blower, one of the first things in the manual when you buy a new one, use only this fuel. And it doesn't have multiple choice. Kerosene, ethanol, regular, water. It doesn't have that. We all know this will not run on water. It will not run on kerosene. It doesn't run very good on ethanol, right, Randy? Four strokes are all right, he says, okay? Two strokes, you don't want to try that. If I mess it up the first thing by putting wrong fuel in it, it doesn't matter how new the carburetor is. It doesn't matter how clean the air cleaner is. It doesn't matter how brand new it may look. It's not going to work right. And I can act like it works right. I can wait for a windy day and I can go out and go... Boy, this thing's working good. Many times in Christianity, that's what we're doing. We haven't dealt with the heart of the matter. 
We haven't dealt with the issue. We're, we're wrong at the very beginning. And so we act like everything's all right. We take it out and use it when everything's blowing the right way. And in understanding when God told Moses in Deuteronomy 6 and when Jesus in Matthew 22 said, the first thing is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul. This is a matter of what we worship. God designed us for a relationship with him. Mankind alone was created in his image. We were made for fellowship with God. We were made to commune with God. Adam and Eve, when they were created before the fall of man, had fellowship with God. Mankind was made for fellowship with God. Despite the politically correct jargon that goes on today that says mankind is no different than animals. Did you see they're shutting down SeaWorld now because of um, to be nice to the whales and things. And they said um, the animal rights activists have um, put pressure on them and people aren't coming to SeaWorld and so they're in a financial... I said, that's not why people aren't coming to SeaWorld. Have you seen how much it costs to go to SeaWorld? We were in San Diego. We could have gone to SeaWorld. I couldn't afford to go to SeaWorld. That's why people aren't going to SeaWorld. Anyway, I need to get back to the main point here, okay? We are different than animals. We were made to fellowship with God. We were made, we were given a soul. He gave us a mind, a will, an emotion. He designed us for a relationship with Him. And the relationship is this. He is God and I am not. It is, I don't come and do a bargain with God and and see what we can work out on this. No, He is God. He sets the terms of this relationship, and it is universal across the the board. The relationship must be on his terms. It is only possible through Jesus Christ. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That is it. If someone says to you, um, Christianity is exclusive, say, absolutely, it is exclusive. But we didn't set that. God sets that. And the relationship is established on his term. There is only one person in charge, and that is God. And he will not settle for anyone or anything else being in charge. Now, he doesn't force anyone to let him be God. He gives us a free will. But he says, if you are to come to the Father, this is the only way, through Jesus Christ. Now, he sets the terms at being the God. 
the Lord. He is the one to be worshipped. Tonight we're going to be talking in more detail about worship. What does it mean uh, to worship God? But going back to these commands, God set the terms and he said, first of all, the first command and greatest command is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. What we read in, in Deuteronomy 6, it, it captures the essence of the first three commands. It is the centrality of worship. In other words, he's saying there is one true God, and God condemns making a God out of anything else. Those are God's terms. I don't want you making a God out of anything else. I don't want you loving anything more than you love God. So we realize that nothing works right if anything else is the God of my life. Turn, if you would, to Exodus 20, where we have the Ten Commandments. Nothing works right if anything else is the God of my life. We're not going to do an in-depth study of the Ten Commandments, but we're, we want to illustrate here today that you must, you must have God first place in your life. You must have God as the, the center part of your life, as the God of your life, if anything else is going to fit into place. The fourth command, and you can kind of follow along as you, in the book of Exodus, the fourth command, now let me just ask you a question. If you were to write down today the Ten Commands, would you be able to write the Ten Commandments down? then why do we get all up in air that the Ten Commandments aren't posted in certain places? We better get the Ten Commandments down in our own hearts and lives before we worry about them being etched in marble someplace. What I'm trying to say is I believe they ought to be etched in marble, but I believe God's more concerned that they be etched in our hearts. And if God isn't the focal point of our worship, we want to illustrate, and this is brought out in, in the How People Change book that you might have. The fourth command is that we are to work six days and rest in, on one. When God is, the first three commands are violated, when God is not my focal point, I will worship and serve myself, and I will use my time for my own self-interest. So I make my God, and I define myself through my career, through my accomplishments, or through my possessions. The point... What we want you to illustrate here, the point is not just these commands. The point is God wants us to worship him as God of our life. And if he's not the God of our life, you're going to have a hard time with all these others. We break these others 
because the root of the problem is we're putting water in the leaf blower. We're putting something else as the God of our life. But if you put God as the God of your life, you've got the gas in the leaf blower and it makes things fit as they were designed. The fifth command is to honor your father and mother. This is a call to honor and obey God by respecting those in authority. When I don't honor and obey God, my will and my honor becomes primary. Let, let me just illustrate as we go through this. This is, this is going to represent God, okay? When my top priority is not honoring and obeying God, and God says to honor and obey your mother and father, it's not just honor and obey your mother and father because God is who I worship. He is my God, and he has established authority. I will honor and obey my mother and father. But when God is not who I worship, when God is not the God of my life, then I am going to worship my will and honor whoever I think I need to. The sixth command, do not murder. When we have a desire to honor and obey God... We honor and obey him by loving and serving and forgiving others. There come offenses in this world. There come wrongs that, that offend us and just aren't right. But when my desire is to honor and obey God because he is the Lord of my life, he is the God of my life, then I will Love and serve and forgive. When he is not, when I am wrong, I will demand revenge. I will become bitter. I will become angry. And God says to be angry with your brother is you're guilty of murder. See, in each of these, when God is not the God of my life, then I end up violating these. I am the one that was wrong. The seventh command, do not commit adultery. When my desire is to honor God, I honor him by remaining sexually pure and keeping our promises to each other. When God is not the God of my life, what rules? My pleasure rules. See, here's where we are today. The battle was lost long ago regarding God's design for marriage. It, it was no longer honoring God in marriage. It now became what makes me happy. And so if this makes me, and now there's no end to what makes me happy. 
But if if God is the God of my life and he's the one that designed me and he knows all about me and I want to honor him, then I will honor him by being sexually pure and keeping my promises in this area to one another as husband and wife and so on. Otherwise, my pleasure rules. Commandment number eight, do not steal. When my desire is to honor God, I will do that by freely and joyfully sharing my resources with others. When that is broken, when I, when I don't worship God as that, then I want things for myself. Commandment number nine, do not bear false witness. When my desire is to honor and obey God, I will do that by speaking truthfully in ways that build up others. When it is broken, my words are used to make me look good and others look bad. See, and the point is not, oh, I need to be careful what I say about others. The point is, I need to fear God and obey Him. And if that is done right, then I will want to lift up others. The tenth command, do not covet. When we want to honor God, We do so by rejoicing in the blessings of others. When something else is the God of our life, I want what you have, and I don't want you to have it. If I can't have it, then I don't want you to have it either. That's the brokenness. And the problem is not, oh, I covet The problem is, with my heart, something else is the God of my life. And when God is set as the God of my life, then we can walk in victory in these other areas. We fail in commands 4 through 10 because something is wrong inside us. We have another God. We love something else besides God. On the back table, there are um, printed out x-ray questions. We handed them out Wednesday night. X-ray questions to help you see, to help us see what is the God of my heart. We won't take the time this morning, but uh, Wednesday night in the video, it went over Romans chapter 1. And all I do is ask you to turn there and just look at verse 25. What, I, what I'm trying to illustrate today is in Exodus, he gave these commands. In Deuteronomy, he summarized them down and says it all begins with having God as the God of your heart. In Matthew 22, he reiterated it and added to it and said, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And in Romans chapter 1, which is a commentary on our society today, if you want to know what's going on in our world today, read Romans chapter 1. But in Romans chapter 1, he says 
in verse 25. Well, let me back up. Verse 24, i got to be careful. We could back all the way up, but you can read it on your own. Basically, he's saying God created all things, and he gave them the truth, but man rejected the truth and went his own way. And verse 24, Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness, in the lust of their hearts, to dishonor their body among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. They worshipped and served something that was created rather than the Creator. They exchanged the truth. And tonight we'll talk more about worship, the truth about worship, that God alone is worthy of worship. They exchange the truth of God for a lie, and they worship themselves, they worship their family, they worship money, we worship our accomplishments, we worship all these other things, and God says, as they've done that, he says, I turn them over to their own ways. We make gods of anything but God, and Romans chapter 1 is what happens. We sing the song, and we may sing it before we leave today. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, Matthew 6.33. It's this principle. Exodus, first three commands, love God first, and then all these other things. Deuteronomy chapter 6 Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Matthew twenty two thirty seven. Love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. Romans 1, he says people took the truth of God, of loving God, says we don't need that. We'll love his creation. Matthew six thirty three says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things that you're concerned about will be added unto you. Our real problem is we have replaced Christ with something else. And as a result, our heart is hopeless and powerless. We have a worship disorder. We're worshiping the wrong things. And God steps into our life and he shows us that Go ahead, worship that, and this is what will happen. It disappoints, it defeats, it destroys. The parable is told by a man by the name of Mr. Bonke. He said, a man had a two-story house, and he heard a knocking, and he opened the door and found Jesus there. And so he invited him to live in his house, and he gave him a room up on the top floor. And understand, Jesus will only take what you give him. Sometime later, the man was sleeping, and he heard a pounding on the door, and he opened the door a crack, and the devil barged in. He had a terrible fight. He was trying to resist the devil and, and all his temptations, and he was yelling out, Help! 
Jesus, help me. No help showed up and finally was able to get the devil out the door and slam the door shut. And and the next morning, he said to Jesus, why didn't you help me last night? Didn't you hear me crying out for help? Jesus said, the problem is you've got this whole big house to yourself. I only have one little room. The man said, I see your point. You can have the whole top floor, and I'll keep the bottom floor. The man was sleeping, heard a pounding on the door, went to the door, opened it a crack again. The devil barged in. Terrible fight ensued, and again he's crying out, Jesus, help me! Help me! No help came. Eventually he managed to throw the devil out. Next morning, didn't you hear me crying for help? Why didn't you help me? He said, the problem is I have the top floor, but you still have the bottom floor to yourself. The man said, I see what you mean. From now on, the whole house is yours. That night, the man was asleep, and there was a pounding at the door again. This time, Jesus went to the door, opened it widely, stood in the doorway. The devil looked at him, bowed very low, and said, I'm sorry, but I think I knocked on the wrong door. You know, that really is an appropriate parable of what often happens in our own lives. And Jesus said, I'm God, I set the terms. You want me to make sure you get out of hell, you put me in this little room, and it doesn't matter how hard you try to keep the commands, the problem is something else is on the throne of your heart. And he said, until you are willing to let me have the throne of your heart, and that's a continual battle. He says, I can't help you like I'd like to. It's first things first. Before taking care of all these other things, you need to have the right one in charge of your life. And that's Jesus Christ alone. And let him be God. Not us manipulating. And when the devil knocks at the door, Jesus himself has already won the victory. There truly is victory, but it's in Jesus alone. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would accomplish your purposes through these truths today. Lord, I pray that you would help us to truly allow your spirit to examine our hearts, to see what really is the God of our life. And Lord, I pray that we would take care of 
first things first, that we would be concerned first and foremost with loving you with all our heart and all our soul and all our mind. Lord, I pray that we would know truly the fulfillment and the victory that comes as we do that. Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. You're here today and you'd say, Pastor, I am a believer. But I'd have to admit that oftentimes he doesn't have my whole heart. I wish you'd remember me in prayer that he truly would be the God of my life. Would you just slip up your hands that we could pray for you? Amen. Amen. You can put them down. We make the battles much more difficult because we're not willing to let him be the God. We make the battles impossible because of that. You're here today and you'd say, you know, I'm not sure I'm a child of God, but I'm concerned about it. Would you just slip up your hand that we could pray for you? Heavenly Father, I pray for these, each of us today, but in particular these that raise their hand. Lord, may they know the joy of saying no to self and yes to you. And Lord, I pray that it truly would become our way of life, that you would be the king of our life. That we truly would seek you first. And that you would be the foremost in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's